So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This is the Vexing Rebel Podcast, and I'm your host, Kurt, the Vexing Rebel, and I'm here to tell you that homosexuality and marriage do not mix. In order for me to make my point, you need to understand that there are many misunderstandings and incorrect assumptions as to what marriage is and what it means. Over the last couple of decades, persons and groups prompted by political ideologies and attempts at social engineering have tried to blur and redefine the nature, law, and purpose of marriage. What I'm going to discuss today is, by law and tradition, what marriage is and has meant in civilization. Marriage, as traditionally defined, is a legal and spiritual union of a man and wife as the foundation of a family. Some believe that marriage is simply a religious institution. However, marriage is more than a religious institution, it is also a societal institution. Furthermore, marriage is the foundation of a family, and family is the foundation of a civilization. To practice and promote marriage as defined above is to promote the growth, advancement, and propagation of a civilization. Every human society practices marriage in one form or another existing as a public legal act. It is a universal human idea sanctioned by society as stated before to promote the growth, advancement, and propagation of a civilization. By law, marriage is a special civil contract between man and woman. The participants in the contract must be willing and able to enter into a contract. If the marriage is entered into by one or more unwilling parties, or parties who are not able to enter into a contract due to age, disability, and so on, the marriage is rendered null and void, as if it had not occurred in the first place. The marriage contract must be enacted before witnesses and is then sealed by consummation. Any valid marriage that has not been consummated may, by right, be annulled, treating it as if it had not occurred. A marriage that has been consummated may, by right, only be dissolved by the death of the spouse or by divorce. Until the birth of the no-fault divorce, divorce was and should be only granted for reasons of wanton cruelty and or neglect, adultery, or abandonment as detailed by law. Historically, by law and by right, and in the view of society, upon marriage the man and woman become one person, as the legal existence of the woman is suspended for the period of marriage, being consolidated into that of the husband, under whose protection and influence she performs everything. This condition of marriage is called coverture, and the wife is a femme covert or married woman. Historically, under the rules of coverture, the following applied. Keep in mind, this is historical. 1. Because a man cannot contract with himself, a man and wife may not contract with one another, and aside from the contract of marriage, any covenants made between them, while single, become void upon their marriage. So there go prenuptial agreements. A will and any inheritance is in force, because it does not take effect until the death of the spouse, which ends the marriage. 2. A man is required to assume the debts of his wife and maintain her as he would himself, providing her all necessaries, food, clothing, shelter, and so on. All debts transferred to the wife if the husband proceeds her in death. 3. A wife may not enter into contracts or seek redress in the courts aside from petition for divorce without the husband's consent, thereby having it done in his name, unless the husband is debilitated and unable to act for his wife or give his consent. Any contracts a wife has made prior to her marriage may be voided by her husband when he becomes aware of their existence. 4. A wife cannot be sued without making the husband a defendant. 5. 
The husband and wife face criminal charges separately when the penalty is more than a fine, but they may not be witness in evidence for or against the other. If a wife commits a crime acting solely under the direction, guidance, and or command of her husband, it is the husband that shall face the criminal charges. 6. The husband has the right to give his wife moderate correction in the same manner as he is allowed to correct his children. The relationships found between husband and wife or parent and child are special and cannot be replicated in any other relationship or contract. It is akin to the relationship a person has to his own body. A spouse or child is an extension of oneself, potentially making the person stronger and is a part of his legacy and the propagation of his heritage, culture, ideas, and bloodline. Even the marriage customs that still survive today make my point. Have you ever wondered why the father gives away the bride or why the man takes a wife or why the woman adopts the husband's name and so on? It goes back to the very principles I am discussing. Historically, the rights and obligations of marriage were and should be 1. The marriage creates a phenal ties to the spouse's family. 2. Each spouse has control over their partner's sexual services. 3. The wife has control over her husband's affairs if he is incapacitated. 4. Each spouse is allowed access to the other during periods of incarceration or infirmary. 5. Each spouse is legal guardian of their children. 6. Each spouse has a joint property fund and right to inheritance. The above may seem shocking to some of you, but again, it is because the reality of what marriage is and what it means has been blurred, distorted, and changed by political ideologies and attempts at social engineering. Before no-fault divorce, political correctness, and social engineering, it was not uncommon for a lot of thought and consideration to take place prior to making a commitment to marriage. Marriage was and should be a lifelong commitment that has had and will have far-reaching legal and social ramifications, not, as many people today seem to believe, as a means to get new blenders, tax relief, and insurance benefits. Marxists spearheaded by feminists have worked very, very hard to try and smear and destroy marriage. Karl Marx had this to say, quote, Bourgeois marriage is in reality a system of wives in common and thus, at the most, what the communists might possibly be reproached with is that they desire to introduce, in substitution for a hypocritically concealed and openly legalized community of women, for the rest, it is self-evident that the abolition of the present system of production must bring with it the abolition of the community of women springing from that system, i.e., of prostitution both public and private. Funny how, as you shall see, the feminists speak of wives being prostituted and raped due to their intimacy with their husbands. Here's another example of the feminist thoughts on marriage. Quote, We can't destroy the inequities between men and women until we destroy marriage. End quote. From Sisterhood is Powerful. 1970. And this is from Sheila Cronin, a feminist leader. Quote, Since marriage constitutes slavery for women, it is clear that the women's movement must concentrate on attacking this institution. Freedom for women cannot be won without the abolition of marriage. End quote. And this is from another feminist leader, Phyllis Chesler. Quote, women give up whatever ghost of a unique and human self they have when they marry and raise children. End quote. And from the feminist activist and author, Barbara Enrenreich. Quote, marriage is just another form of prostitution, end quote. The National Association of Women Lawyers, a feminist organization, according to their website, quote, the Uniform Divorce Bill is the greatest project NAWL has ever undertaken, end quote. And, quote, in 1965, the conference commenced the task of drafting and in 1970 produced the Uniform Marriage and Divorce Act, amended in 1971 and 1973. By 1977, the divorce portions had been adopted by nine states. 
Following this, the momentum for uniformity waned, but the ideal of no-fault divorce became the guiding principle for reform of divorce laws in the majority of states, end quote. When did divorce rates skyrocket? Oh yeah, the late 1960s, the 70s, and the 80s, the rainy era of the second wave of feminist. The goal to destroy marriage is also why feminism has entrenched itself so tightly to the homosexual movement, whose aims are the same and who are funded and backed by the same people. Together, they tear away at tradition, family, and marriage. After all, it isn't that far a stretch. Many radical feminists often promote lesbian lifestyles for women, wanting them to reject hetero relationships. What people need to understand is that throughout all history, in all cultures, in all the world, marriage has been reserved for men to women, even in societies in which homosexual relationships openly existed, such as ancient Greece. When the young man, usually in a relationship with an older man, matured, he was given preparation to be married to a woman. Why? Because, like it or not, marriage is the legal and spiritual union of a man and wife as the foundation of a family, and even the ancient Greeks knew it. All societies that have embraced homosexual relationships have collapsed. Learning their lesson, the survivors return to traditional roots of what biology, society, and thousands upon thousands of years has deemed best for the advancement of man. The current movement for so-called same-sex marriage did not arise out of a desire for equability and civil rights, but was and is a part of the Marxist campaign to destroy marriage and perform social engineering. You may ask, what about our freedom to associate? What about our right to privacy? What about the liberty of homosexuals? To this I would answer, homosexuals are free to be homosexual. What two or more consenting adults do in the privacy of their bedroom is between them. However, when they move their behaviors, and they are behaviors, outside the privacy of their bedroom into the face of society, society has a right to make judgments. When it comes to relationships and associations and the liberty of individuals, I would answer, we have freedom of contract. Anyone, including homosexuals, can go into contract with one another, even to form a legal bond that resembles marriage, but that doesn't make it marriage. You may ask at this point, what right does society have to recognize or validate any of those things? The answer is simple. The institutions of marriage and parenthood are the foundations of a strong society and is vital to the growth, advancement, and propagation of a healthy, free society. The individuals that comprise a society, society as a whole, has a vested interest in its survivability and advancement. To say that homosexual couples have no legal right is horribly incorrect. I know for a fact, upon personal observation, that homosexuals have no problem with the legalities many claim they do. For example, a former co-worker of mine was in a relationship with someone who developed terminal cancer. He was able to visit him in the hospital, get information on his health, and so on. When the man died, my friend was willed his belongings and was the beneficiary of his insurance. Legal contracts are legal contracts. I can give any one of you those rights whether we are married, homo, hetero, or prefer sheep. Those woe-is-me arguments the homosexual and PC community put out is nothing but smoke and mirrors to garner sympathy for their goal. When it comes to gay marriage, it is not that a society that sees it as destructive should make it illegal, it is that they simply should not recognize or validate it as marriage. Someone can walk up to you with a goat in tow and point to the goat say, This goat and I are married. That doesn't make it true, nor does it mean that the relationship is validated or recognized by society. No matter how much the person and or the goat may desire it, believe it, or even act it out. I can have a very strong bond to someone, looking at him as my son. The person may reciprocate, looking to me as a father figure. This does not make the man my son nor me his father, and no matter how sweet or real or thoroughly enacted our relationship is, the reality is he is not my son and I am not his father. I can adopt a child in a legal bond, recognized and validated by society, will go into effect that is virtually the same as that which exists by default between a parent and his biological offspring. However, you cannot acquire the same bond by adopting a pet, a highway, or a new outlook on life.
These relationships and the special place they have in society are easily recognized by a rational, reasonable, logical person. Instinctively, society gravitates towards them. They have since man's beginnings. It comes across naturally and generally feels right. We usually have to fight against our instincts, swimming against the current, and teaching or indoctrinating ourselves to pick apart these relationships and or try to validate bastardized forms of them. To treat all couplings with the same distinction would be to diminish the legal and spiritual union of a man and wife as the foundation of a family and make a mockery of it. To diminish and destroy the foundation that a society is built upon is called suicide. We can consume anything we put into our mouths. Some of those things help us become healthy and survive. Some of those things kill us. We must use discretion as to which we will embrace. In other words, we must discriminate to survive. I have history on my side, and history has shown time and time again that when societies deviate from the natural order or fall into moral decay, they collapse. If we separate ourselves from natural law, we must also separate ourselves from natural rights. If we adhere to Marxist social engineering, then we defy the strengths that brought us civilization and the capacity to advance and grow. If modern society desires to play with that double-edged sword, they will soon find they have lost their head. Don't allow decades-long public relations campaigns and propaganda steer you from the truth. Political correctness is a cancer. Truth is the cure. Until next time, this is Kurt the Vexing Rebel, signing out. Follow the Vexing Rebel podcast on Twitter at The Vexing Rebel. Like us on Facebook and check out our YouTube channel. We will post a new podcast every Friday.